On this episode of the Mayor's Spotlight, I'm joined by Police Chief Michael Denning. Chief Denning is a highly respected law enforcement veteran with over 23 years of experience. He brings with him a wealth of knowledge, experience, and leadership skills that are sure to have a positive impact on our community. And today we'll get to know Chief Denning and learn how he's addressing the challenges of policing in our rapidly growing city. Chief, thank you for joining us today. Um, tell me about your experience in law enforcement and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, thanks, Mayor. I really appreciate you having me here today. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to be in the city of Rowlett. Uh, I spent 23 and a half years uh, working for the city of Henderson Police Department. Um, hired on when I was 22 years old and worked my way through the ranks, had many different assignments. Um, ultimately, my last five years was as one of two deputy chiefs. And uh, just had a great opportunity to lead a, a mid-sized organization, about 500 uh, sworn officers, uh, and really address challenges that come with growth and a lot of the things that we're experiencing here in Rowlett. And it's just been an amazing transition, you know, moving my family across country and making Rowlett my home now. So I'm su- super excited to be here. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about Henderson. Where is that for the viewers? So H- Henderson's in Southern Nevada. It's the second largest city in Nevada. Uh, there's about 350,000 residents now. Uh, didn't always, wasn't always that big. Uh, I think when I hired on, it was about the size of Rowlett. And so we went through explosive growth and ended up with lots of industry and business and, uh, professional sports teams. We've had, you know, numerous, uh, major incidents happen, um, throughout the, the course of the last just couple of years that we've learned a great deal from. And, um, you know, I, I think I have the opportunity now to, you know, take that experience and, and help our police department prepare for those type of incidents. Yeah, I, I, your background's amazing, and, and especially being a part of a city that, I mean, you started out when the city was about the size of Rowlett, and you were there for the process of it growing to where it is today. And that's that's one of the key points of why you were a great candidate, and we're happy that you're here, because you can help guide us to uh, growing, because you've already been there and done that. So that's, uh, we're, we're very thankful that, that you're our police chief. So what were some of the biggest areas of opportunities that the Rowlett Police Department uh, has or that you've already addressed? Yeah, well, you know, there's so many here in Rowlett. It's such an exciting city. And, you know, with that growth comes a lot of exciting things, but also comes with some challenges. Um, so, you know, as I transitioned here just back in September, it's just been about five months now, I really spent the first 100 days just listening and learning, uh, really getting to know staff and employees, you know, as an outside chief coming in, um, learning, you know, how we do things here in the city of Rowlett Police Department, what we do well and what we could improve on, and really heavily involved our employees in that process. You know, I attended numerous shift briefings and uh, just listened to our officers and really just I'm so impressed with the talent of both our officers and professional staff employees, our dispatchers, our records personnel. Um, it's, it's refreshing and, and they have encouraged me to, you know, be part of the family and really work on, uh, improving the department in any way we can. Um, some of the opportunities, you know, one of the very first things, as I mentioned, was just involving our employees in the process, really empowering our line level staff. And the way that we're doing that is again, thanks to the support of the council, we're, we're doing it for the first time ever. The Rowlett police department is, is doing a all employee driven strategic plan. And that plan is called RPD 28. 
And it's a five-year strategic plan that is directly involved with the, the, from the bottom up. So the chief takes a step back and says, it's not my plan. This is the department's plan to develop an all-new vision, mission, values, and shared goals that are in line with the city of Rowlett goals. And we'll be, we're really excited. We have uh, more than half of our staff are directly involved in the plan. We're working with a professional uh, management consulting firm that I've worked with for a number of years called uh, the Institute for Executive Development. We have a 20-member task force that ultimately will roll out that plan with our all-new vision, mission, and values in March. And so we're super excited. Well, it, I'm amazed at the progress that you've already made, and it's, it's not even been that long. Um, and one of the areas that I, I respect you most about is that you really include the team in everything that you're doing. Every decision you make, you're including the team. And uh, that, that, that instills trust and respect in the organization. And the other component is the mission and values is, is critical for any organization, but especially law enforcement. And so for everybody to have that in their head of what what are what is their mission? What what are their values? Uh, that just drives the organization to success and keeps everybody on the same page. And uh, again, it's it's super important. And I'm so glad that you are including your team in every effort that you're making uh, to improve the organization. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you. You know, it, one of the things I've learned that that really has impacted me throughout my career is how important it is for employees to weigh in if we expect them to buy in on the plan. Right. And so this is truly the Rowlett Police Department's plan. And, uh, you know, we're going to really lean in and focus on over the next five years, accomplishing the strategies that are developed throughout this process. There's more than one way to approach crime reduction and prevention. What are some methods that you have already employed or plan on employing in the future? Sure. Well, one of the big focuses that we're going to have is we're really focusing on implementing policing programs that are evidence-based that we know are proven to work and make an, and have a direct impact on the quality of life and the safety in the community. And they're not all enforcement related. Uh, as we know, we can't arrest our way out of creating a safer community. And some of them have directly impact our employees in terms of how they're trained to respond to incidents out there. And one of them that I'm extremely proud of is a program that the Rowlett Police Department is certified in called the ABLE program. And that stands for Active Bystandership in Law Enforcement. So, you know, it's been the Rowlett Police Department's policy for many years to have a, uh, in the policy, to have a duty to intervene for all officers. But ABLE takes that a step further. It really builds active bystandership into the culture. And so it started, the ABLE pro project was launched in 2020 after the tragic killing of George Floyd. And it was developed by Georgetown University. And is, uh, there's currently only 324 agencies across the country that are certified to teach ABLE, and we are one of them. It teaches every officer that has, has a duty to speak up and to promote a better way to do police work. And that means to step in maybe when an officer's having a bad day and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, let me take this one. Um, it takes chain of command out of the question. We expect our officers to intervene before it gets out of control. And so the ABLE program is something we're teaching to all of our new officers, and we're going to be rolling that out to the whole organization. That That's amazing. And, and, you know, with, with the national incidences that we continue to see occur from time to time, you know, it's important that these kind of proactive measures are put in place, uh, you know, for law enforcement. So that, that way those on the street, the patrol officers know that there's, there's a way to prevent any kind of, um, uh, 
unfortunate situation from occurring from another law enforcement officer and and w- without getting in trouble uh, mm-hmm. because you know you see and and the, the the recent incident um in georgia where there was fear from other officers that if they were to intervene and say hey you you can't do that that they would get in trouble and so uh you know this program is really important to to prevent anything like that from happening so um another great piece of work that that you're doing and um when when did this take effect when did this able program take effect so able was launched nationwide as i said from georgetown university in 2020 gotcha um we were certified in 2021 as an agency we had to go through a a a process to even be certified and um we have uh currently 21 of our officers are trained and like i said we're rolling that out to all of our new officers that we're hiring and we'll be going through and, and making sure that every officer is certified as an able officer. Good. So um, any other kind of methods that you've uh, employed or looking to employ? Yes, several. Uh, okay. So one of them is called DDAX. And the directly, this has a direct tie to uh, community-based policing as well as crime reduction. DDAX stands for Data-Driven Approaches to Crime and Traffic Safety. And again, this is another evidence-based program um, that is developed it, and it, it is really intended to create high visibility enforcement work uh, from our officers in our hotspot areas. And it's really intended to us for us to really look as a command staff at where is our crime occurring, where are we having most of our challenges, um, and how can we better deploy our personnel. And so once DDAC zones are identified, uh, those will be communicated out to the entire organization. And then every single day, Every police officer will spend 15 to 20 minutes of their open patrol time in the DDAC zone, conducting proactive enforcement, but also conducting community-based policing. So not just not just out doing traffic stops and subject stops, that will occur as well, but also just stopping in the businesses, introducing themselves, giving their business card and saying, hey, I work this area. This is my beat. Um, you know, you can contact me if you have any uh, issues related to, you know, um, uh, vehicle break-ins or um, you see suspicious persons in the area. And so through the DDAX model, it really engages the entire police department in the crime reduction strategy because crime is everyone's problem, Mm -hmm. whether you're sworn or non-sworn. And we have a wonderful analyst that's been working up those, um, those working with our assistant chief on where those hotspots are. And we're going to be training officers on the DDAX model and how it's to be implemented. And we'll be moving forward with that throughout the year. So the the DDAX is really, so it'd be any law enforcement officer uh, on shift would have to spend, you said, 15 minutes in that zone. Uh, You know, I I think that's great because the connections in the community is is critical. And, you know, for some reason, some people are hesitant to call 911 if they see something. Um, because they don't want to waste the officer's times, yeah. which is unfortunate because that's their job. You know, they, we, we want to know if, if there is any kind of suspicious activity, even if it's, it turns out to be nothing. It's important that that contact is made to make sure that nothing wrong is happening. Yeah. Uh, and so if somebody can, you know, if they know an officer through this connection that they can call, say, Hey, should I call 911 for this? And they say, yeah, you, you should at least, you know, make that phone call that way people 
are making some attempt to uh, sway uh, away crime. That's right. So, so yeah, uh, another really important program. I'm, I'm glad that y'all are implementing. Yeah, that's that's one we really encourage the community. You know, it goes back to that right after 9-11, the see something, say something. And, right. and a lot of lot of cities and departments have added in, do something. Mm-hmm. You know, call us. It's, it's okay. You're not bothering us. We'd rather be able to respond to it and know that the, the, the issue has been resolved or it's not what we thought it was than us to find out afterwards. Because right. our goal is really to prevent crime before it occurs. Mm-hmm. No crime is okay. And that's the approach we take, having a laser focus on the, uh, crime reduction and community-based policing. One of those things I'm really proud of just just in the last couple of months, uh, since we started really talking about our crime reduction plan, is you know on the crime reduction um, approach is, is really starts with our proactivity of our officers. And so we've seen dramatic increases in, in the amount of officer initiated activity. So we know the officers are busy and they're going on 911 calls and we're only getting busier. You're looking at our numbers just in the first couple of months of the year, um, just year to date, we're already up 800 calls from last year. Despite that increase in the amount of calls. Uh, up 800 calls from last year, year to date? That's correct. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, so although we're busier, we've seen dramatic increases in our officers and their activity. So for example, just since December, we've seen a 60% increase in traffic stops. Mm-hmm. That means our officers are out and that's the bread and butter. That's where crimes are prevented before they occur. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Cause some people, you know, don't understand why that is important traffic stops. Sure. Sure. And officer initiated activity is, is basically anything that the officer is initiating without being dispatched to it. Mm-hmm. So that would be patrolling the neighborhoods and something we call grid patrols where they log their actual time spent in a particular area, whether it be a neighborhood or a business complex, they log those and we document those as grid grid patrols. And then during that time, uh, if they see something suspicious or they, uh, they have a vehicle that they see has um, committed a violation, they'll conduct, uh, conduct a proactive stop, like a traffic stop or a subject stop or maybe a suspicious vehicle stop. And just like I said, since December, we've seen a 60% increase in traffic stops and a 30%, almost 30% increase in overall officer-initiated activity. So although our officers are busier with calls for service, um, and we're, we're seeing them dramatically increase their activity, mm-hmm. which will help us prevent crime before it occurs. Yeah, it, it, it's important that we're not just responding call to call to call, but that we're also able to get out there and patrol the areas that, that need some uh, higher attention. Like you said, the, uh, the what, what were the zones called? DDAC the, zones. DDAC zone, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, another proactive measure you have going there and uh, you know, happy to see that we're able to produce those numbers uh, uh, of a 30% increase in overall uh, officer-initiated activity. So um, you know, it's important that we continue that progress and the part of that is going to you know, be responsible, the responsibility of the council to make sure that you have the equipment and personnel you need to uh, continue that progress. Yeah, you know, and I, I want to mention too, you know, we're very lucky to have your support and the council's support. Uh, we got eight officers in this last uh, uh, budget process and we're in the process of training those. We have 105 authorized personnel now in the Royal Police Department and 22 of those officers are still in training because it takes a year yeah. to train a police officer. So that that um, presence out there that you see of police officers is only going to increase because of because of our city council support. Yep. And and I hope we get you another eight more this coming next fiscal year. So we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, is there another method you have there? Um, that I mean, I feel like there's already just so much happening. And it's like, is there really one more? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's probably many, but one yeah. I do want to mention that is just, it can't not be mentioned. And that's our flock cameras. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we deployed uh, 20 flock cameras. And they, what those are are license plate reader technology. It's called flock. And they're, they're cameras that capture license plates. And um, snap pictures of vehicles. And we strategically deployed those uh, throughout the city. And we have seen a huge return on investment um, because our officers are immediately notified when there is a, um, a, a hit on one of those cameras for a vehicle that maybe we're looking for. Maybe someone gets a license plate on a crime that occurred um, and that gets entered. We can search the system, and it will it will give us every single vehicle coming in or out of a particular area with their license plate and a picture of that vehicle. And we've already, just since deploying them a few months ago, recovered numerous stolen vehicles um, and had hits related to wanted subjects. Um, and so we're 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 also very connected with other agencies in the DFW area that also utilize flock cameras, so we all can share our data. Mm-hmm. So we can query their databases and we can share our information with these other agencies. And it's just a tremendous intelligence system. And we're really looking forward to adding more cameras uh, to the city. Yeah. And you said, so there's, there's 10 currently, right? That's correct. So there's 10. So we're, we're looking at adding another 10. Hopefully we can get that done uh, sometime soon. uh, Because again, like the chief reiterated is that we've already seen a huge return on investment with these with these cameras in terms of uh, reducing uh, crime activity and, and getting the criminals off our streets. Uh, we, we want the message to be to to the criminals that that Rowlett, you're not welcome here. You know, you're not welcome in Rowlett. You know, go to another city or, you know, stay in Dallas. You can't say that, but I'll stay. <laughs> stay in Dallas. Uh, you know, don't come out and venture to Rowlett because we're going to find you and, and you're going to be held accountable for your actions. Uh, and, and, and so the, the more of those cameras we have to catch, you know, those violent criminals, uh, the better. Um, and, and so for example, I just want to provide an example to uh, those watching, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but let's say hypothetically there was a burglary, uh, and you had a vehicle description of the car that left the scene that could be the subjects and you go into the flock database and see, you know, through different uh, hits, you know, okay, this one camera saw it. C- can that also occur if that vehicle goes into a neighboring city that has flock, for example, Garland, if the vehicle was going into Garland, you would get a ping on that as well because you would have direct access to their flock database as well. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Yes. We can search their database. Um, and we'll get hits on vehicles that we enter mm-hmm. uh, anywhere in the state or anyone that that has the flock camera system because we're all sharing that data. Gotcha. So it's it's tremendous, and it allow us to potentially track criminals mm-hmm. that have committed crimes, and we can actually pick them up on the cameras as they're as they're leaving our community and going right. into other areas. And and also for the public's uh, uh, knowledge the plates that are ran, aren't they deleted 30 days after? That's right. Like they're completely wiped off of the flock system. Yeah, correct. That's right. There's a, a, I know some people are concerned about privacy and, and uh, I'll tell you that without a doubt, um, we only have access to that data for 30 days and then it's, it's, it's purged from the system. Right. And we're not looking at random plates. We're interested and flock only tells us if there is, you know, let's say a felony warrant or a stolen vehicle match, 
uh, stolen plate match, something like that. It's really what Flock is telling us. That's right. Yeah, right. and and it's not just the. the it, of course, it's a tremendous value for for the violent crime, but also for our property crimes and mm-hmm. crimes of opportunity, where um, you know we have citizens from other or subjects from other jurisdictions coming in to commit crimes in our neighborhoods, um, because you know typically people are, are can sometimes be soft targets you know about 80 percent of the cars that get broken into are unlocked so they come into our communities they try to get in they try the door handles and they may leave the area and someone's ring camera maybe picks up a, a picture of a vehicle uh, we get a description we can then search the flock system and we can locate a plate and then it just goes on from there yeah. so for the criminals watching if you live in Rowlett, uh go ahead and call a realtor it's it's time to move all right so is there any other uh, any other uh uh, on this topic that you'd like to discuss of the methods you know the only other thing is just you know crime as i said is just more than enforcement it's really about public safety um so evidence shows we can't rest our way out of having a safer community but that's where our partnerships come in right and uh you know we know how much support we have from the community and we really want to do more with um leaning into our HOAs, our apartment managers. We have a community services division that I'm really excited to do more um, partnerships and more um, visibility out in the public uh, because really we can't put a police officer on every corner. I wish we could, but we certainly can have uh, lines of communication with our, our public uh, and help us be the ears and eyes out there so that yeah. we can continue to keep this one of the safest cities in Texas. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's crucial that people not hesitate to call if they see something. And, you know, I can't tell you, there's been several times where I've gotten a private message from somebody saying, you know, I see somebody suspicious, uh, you know, near my house and I want to know if I should call 911. I'm like, <laughs> and of course I don't see it till the next day. And I'm like, oh my, I hope they called, you know. Uh, and, and so don't go to your politicians about crime, call, <laughs> call the right people and, uh, don't hesitate. That's, that is their job. That's what they're there for, uh, is to keep you and the community safe. So, uh, another question. So there is, uh, there, there is understandably now a perception from some in the community that, that crime is increasing in Rowlett. Uh, can you speak to this and address uh, some of our statistics? I know you had mentioned it before, uh, and, and whether or not crime is on the rise. Uh, if so, is it violent crime that's increasing, car thefts, burglaries? What kind of crime is something that the community should be uh, more aware of yeah. that's happening? Sure. So that's that's one of the first things that, that I asked our analysts to do is let pull up crime and let's, let's compare where we're at now versus uh, one year ago. And we're looking at this constantly, not in just for a year, we're looking at it month to month and even week to week. Um, and one of the things that we noticed is from 22 compared to 21, we were up about 7% in our overall crimes against persons. And that would be related to violent crime like homicides, um, robberies, ag- aggravated assaults. Um, so there, there was a, a slight uptick in terms of our violent crime numbers, but overall, statistically, it wasn't, it wasn't that significant because our violent crime rate is very low in the city of Rowlett. And we know so we, we have, have yeah. sometimes some, some incidents that, that draw a lot of attention that are typically um, uh, isolated type incidents. Um, oftentimes they involve, especially in our homicides, they're most of the time domestic related where the offender knew the victim. Um, which is very difficult to prevent. Right. Um, but overall, um, 
you know, our, our violent crime rates remain pretty steady over the course of 10 years. I even went back 10 years to see how uh, overall what our crime has looked like. And um, although we saw some upticks from 22 to 21 that we're addressing uh, with different strategies, over the course of 10 years, the, the, the crime, both violent crime and property crime, has remained relatively level mm-hmm. despite the population increase. Right. And, and I saw some of those statistics before as well that, that you showed uh, some of the council members. And, and I was actually surprised because, because it has remained steady. There hasn't been an outlier in terms of an increase that we've really noticed or, or been concerned about. Uh, and, and yet the perception and even mine sometimes is like, oh my gosh, you know, things are getting a little uh, crazy out here. But, uh, you know, again, I think that's because of the accessibility of information and also everyone has a phone, everyone has a camera. And so everything is becoming more visible as where before, you know, it wasn't really, you know, nobody was really paying that much attention or nobody knew about it uh, because the information wasn't out there. But, but yeah, and that's a, that's something that we're seeing nationwide worldwide Mm -hmm. is that everything is getting a lot more traction and media attention, uh, especially negative news. So like a homicide or a robbery and typically the, the story that they like to push is crime is on the rise. And, and that may be for some areas. I I think there's no doubt that some areas are, are experiencing a, 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 concerning rise in crime but for Rowlett uh, from what we've seen in statistics it's remained pretty steady and there's not really an outlying outlier in terms of a, a, a percentage increase that is cause for concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we're seeing as well. And, you know, like I said, no crime is okay. And, right. you know, uh, we have that laser focus as a command staff, especially with violent crime um, on putting together plans to address those type of upticks when they occur. So is this something the Rowlett community should be concerned about, or are these statistics not surprising for a community that is one of the fastest growing regions in the country? Yeah. You know, what we're experiencing based on trends from other similar type communities that are experiencing rapid growth is very consistent. Um, You know, property crime is an area that's um, really probably our biggest challenge. Uh, that's where the majority of our crime happens. The, you know, the stolen vehicles, the auto burglaries. We saw about a 16% increase in 22 versus 21. And so that's why we're increasing our patrols. That's why we're working on evidence-based programs that we know can impact that that number. Typically, when a police officer is present and visible, people aren't committing crimes. And so adding more officers on the street to each patrol shift is something that we're actively doing right now. As officers are coming out of training, I mentioned 22 officers in training, um, the command staff and I already have a plan to where they're going. And the majority of them are going to patrol because we're going to boost up those numbers in patrol. So that increases our proactivity, our grid patrols and our visibility, which is going to prevent crime. Um, So we're, we're, we're seeing trends that are very consistent, um, but Again, because of the laser focus on community safety, uh, we're very confident that we're going to we're going to drive that number down. So uh, I'm just speaking from my perception. So it to me, it looks like a lot of the property crime is happening from young adults or juveniles. Is is that something that you notice as well? Uh, I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out. It, you know, is there a society issue? And I, I'm going to say yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but it, yeah. are you seeing that? Yeah. It's, it's hard to pinpoint in general over overall property crime, but um, you know, uh, 
we do have issues with juveniles, especially um, breaking into cars. And as I mentioned, about almost 80% of our vehicles that are stolen or broken into are unlocked. Right. Um, and they're just going down the neighborhood, trying door handles. We see them on the ring cameras all the time. Right. And they all look like juveniles yeah. like they're they're younger than you know 18 and yeah. it's just uh, parents where are you are you yeah. not watching yeah. what your children are doing like get it together be a parent get your children's lives you know yeah. it, uh, we're seeing you know a, a lot of of juveniles getting into this kind of trouble and it's you know going to destroy their future yeah. uh the more they go into that and um uh, so yeah if, if you're a parent watching you know Keep an eye on your child sometimes, yeah. please. <laughs> that would definitely help. Yeah. So anything else on property crime that the community should be you know, aware of? You know, obviously you said uh, 80% of the uh, burglaries of vehicles are st- unlocked doors. I mean, that's something so simple, like one click, lock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and in rare cases, are they breaking... Uh, the window, the breaking the glass to get in the vehicle. It's also important that you don't keep any kind of, um, you know, uh, items out in the open for people to see, like, you know, like an iPad or something of value sitting in the passenger seat. That's right. That, you know, it's like the, you're like waving a, a toy to somebody, you know. And Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, th- that's a great point. And I think of the total number of, um, uh, in 22, uh, I said 79% of all the vehicle break-ins were unlocked. And of those uh, unlocked vehicles that were that were broken into, seventeen firearms were taken. Wow! So obviously we, we don't want uh, any firearms out on the street. So there are things the community can do to help, mm-hmm. and one of them is lock your car doors, lock your lock your homes, if possible, park your vehicle in your garage. Mm-hmm. That will almost completely eliminate it if that's a possibility. But also don't leave your garage door openers inside of your vehicles, so that if they if if a perpetrator does get access to your car they can't access your garage door opener and then get access that's interesting i didn't even think about that okay what if you lock your car door is it okay at that point no i don't recommend it uh, because again if they break a window and get they they still have access to that garage door opener uh, and that gives Mm. them easy access to your whole home uh, if you're not home or even if you are home so uh, definitely uh, put those garage door openers away. Um, try to put your cars in the garage and and lock your doors. And yeah, definitely don't leave valuables. Um, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes we get busy and you know yeah. we, we leave our iPad or our our phone on the seat, and that just makes you a soft target. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some easy preventable measures that that we can all work together to improve upon. Uh, you know, it's interesting too. You said so you said 17 of these cases where firearms were were stolen. I mean, that could just, I mean, could you just imagine you accidentally forget that your firearms in your car and then you realize that it's stolen and it was a, that gun was used to kill somebody. Oh, I just couldn't imagine uh, that feeling uh, of just extraordinary guilt. So, I mean, if, if, if you have, if you carry a firearm, think about that, you know, think about that possibility and, and, and really be mindful about about your weapon and, and please secure it. You know, take it in the house or lock it in in the glove compartment where you can key lock it, you know, at least. I see it as this is something that all communities are are seeing. Uh, you know, if you look at next door, you look at Ring and you look at any other community, we're seeing the same kind of property crimes that are occurring. Um, and it seems like it's just, you know, it, again, Seem, it seems like a lot of juveniles or young adults that are involved in the property crimes. And so I just think it seems like a society issue 
you know, I, and it's not, it's not a rallet issue. It's a society issue. That's right. And, and, yeah. and, and so, you know, there's one of them I, that my, uh, uh, command staff was telling me about the last year was there's TikTok is very popular. Right. And one of our stolen vehicle, uh, series was related to a TikTok challenge. Um, where they were teaching on TikTok how to how to uh, start a vehicle with a rem- uh, your, your, a remote control of some sort. Is um, it one of those things like the USB? I think so. USB. Yeah, I think it was. So yeah, yeah. I, there's a particular uh, vehicle models that yes. are very susceptible yes. to being stolen just by simply using a USB yes. port, and that resulted in an uptick for us in stolen in wow. stolen vehicles in yeah. one of the months last year. Uh, and of course, it, it wasn't a particular crew this is just kids watching the tiktok and then they try it and lo and behold it works um and so you know those are those are kind of those things will pop up right and that's again where us having a a, the walmart fire approach the walmart fire was a tiktok trend another one yeah yeah that was oh my goodness yeah yeah i'm i'm not on that algorithm of tiktok so and i'm glad i'm not so yeah yeah (laughs) so how can the community help the rowlett police department tackle crime uh, well, the first thing is, and we kind of touched on it, right? It's that see something, say something, call us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't be afraid to call. Uh, also, you know, just be, be observant. You know, I teach my kids this always be aware of your surroundings, be a good neighbor. If you see your neighbor left the garage door open and you know, hopefully, you know your neighbors, you know, that's unusual. One of the things we're looking at doing is establishing a, a proactive, 100% proactive problem solving unit. And so with, with the continued support of the mayor and the council, you know, we're really excited because oftentimes, uh, you know, our officers are inundated with 911 calls and they're going to call the call. Um, they're stuck in the same traffic. Some of our citizens are stuck in. And so um, they have to be focused on getting to those scenes. So having a, a proactive team is something that we're already building a plan for that can go out and build those partnerships in the community, but also be readily available uh, to address uh, incidents of, of crime that are happening in our community. Thank you, Chief. So next question. As you know, the city council has placed the construction of a new public safety facility on the May 2023 ballot for our citizens to vote in. Can you tell me what some of the challenges are with the current facility and why there is a bond proposition on the May ballot to build a new police department? Sure, sure. Well, this one's uh, this is kind of interesting because, you know, I, I committed to the department coming from the outside, coming from another uh, another state that I wouldn't make any changes for the first hundred days. But I kind of violated that a little bit because I got so much feedback uh, when I attended the briefings and heard from staff about their concerns with our locker rooms and not having enough space and, uh, you know, just uh, conditions that aren't great. Um, and so we were able to, to, to find some funding and actually replace the flooring and, and try to improve prove what we have. Um, but uh, we're pretty much out of space in the locker rooms. And as we know, we're, we've got 22 officers in training and we're pretty much out of space for office space. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. I've been there. You yeah. are out of yeah. space. Yeah. We yeah. have detectives literally kind of doubled up and on top of each other. Yeah. Um, our dispatch center is at capacity and we need to grow our dispatch center. Um, it's way too small for our size. Um, we've actually moved some of our officers from the locker room that we're out of room in into a storage room that's not designed to be a locker room. Um, and, you know, it goes beyond just, um, you know, the quality of the locker rooms. This, this really sort of speaks to, you know, um, the, the, our recruitment efforts and having facilities that people, that officers and staff can be proud of. Um, it, it goes, it goes to, 
beyond that to attract, you know, top talent. Uh, there's a lot of competition uh, in the DFW area in, in law enforcement in general. Recruiting is a hot topic. And so they want to work in environments that's conducive for them to do their best work. Um, and when we're dealing with cramp, very cramped space, um, we have an evidence building that's in really bad shape. Um, and I know the city's already working to make improvements and we're super appreciative of that. Um, but that, that even the evidence vault is, is small for the size of Rowlett. So we're, we're really working on, uh, improving what we have for the meantime, but we are absolutely in need of a larger facility. Yeah. And, and I'll speak to this as well. And pretty much every in every way, we are just so out of space in our police department. I, I've I've taken a couple of personal tours myself and am just amazed at how we're able to work in that environment of being on top of each other. Uh, you know, I'm concerned that we can't hire one more detective or another dispatcher or, you know, where are we going to put more lockers for new officers that we're bringing on? I mean, these are serious issues that, um, you know, I wish leadership uh, has had addressed before. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm glad that we're now, uh, going to try to address it. And, um, you know, that's why we're asking the voters for some, uh, you know, for, to vote in that election. And, um, you know, that way their voice is heard and they're able to make the decision for themselves of, of what is important for them. And, and, you know, one thing that I'd say is, um, you know, if, if we're going to increase, safety in this community part of that is hiring more staff uh, and more resources to do that and be successful in it and right now we're we're as limited as you can be uh, and, and so I'd encourage people just to become educated uh, on this and and you know we're gonna have uh, several times where people can go and take a tour of the facilities themselves and see it with their own eyes uh, there will also be a recorded tour uh, of the facilities to, so that they can see it for themselves as well. And, and then, you know, there's going to be other educational material that's sent out via the mail and on our website and social media platforms so that people are aware of what they're voting for and what impact it could make. Yeah, that's great. We really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the, the staff for what they've done to uh, work with the facility that we have. Um, but we definitely need a long-term plan. Um, and, um, you know, it it's really speaks to our ability to fight crime and recruit talent so we can put more officers out there. Um, we spend a lot of time in the facility, um, you know, with the locker room, as I mentioned, you know, it has one shower for in the men's locker room for a hundred, 150 employees. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're doing the best we <laughs> can, but, uh, it, it was never intended to be a police department. I don't think. No, and, it wasn't. It, it was, it, I don't know. I don't remember when we bought it. Um, it was before I was born, and uh, it, and it was an office building before. It was not built to purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's it's. I would encourage those who who are curious to see for themselves to uh, be on the lookout lookout for the dates where we're hosting those facility tours and take that tour. You, you'll learn a lot about how we're able to uh, deal with the issues that we currently have in our facilities. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your recent recruiting efforts and some vacant positions you're looking to fill? Yeah, well, first, if I could just, uh, you know, take this opportunity to really kind of toot our horn a little bit. Um, it's a challenge to recruit in law enforcement. You know, now it, it's it, now it, in this uh, in this uh, climate, it's difficult to um, get police people that want to be police officers. 
Um, and the Rowlett Police Department's done an excellent job where most departments are facing a 20 or 30% vacancy rate. Um, we're sitting right now at only two vacancies uh, in sworn personnel. Wow. Um, so we're really, we're really proud of that. Again, 22 of them are in training, and so soon, soon they'll be out there um, helping keep our community safe. But we do have a couple of vacancies that we're looking to fill that I'd like to mention. Um, one of them is in, in our detention uh, our detention officers. We have two vacancies for detention officers right now. And detention's a great place to work. It's a great uh, opportunity to get your foot in the door with the Rowlett Police Department and be part of the team. And so we've got posts up on our social media right now for those vacancies. Uh, and so we definitely um, talk to your family, me- you know, anybody out there, talk to your, your family members or your kids uh, about, uh, say kids, um, but you know, talk to your, your sons and daughters about a potential career as a, as a detention officer. Um, we'd love to have you. Uh, another one is our part-time. We're looking for one part-time um, sworn officer. So they'd have to be TCOL certified, um, but it'd be a part-time position and great for a retiree and to help us uh, do security at our city council meetings and security at different special events. Um, and so we have one part-time position available for that. So this is what Randy's doing That's right. right now, right? Yeah. That's right. So, so he, he's, he retired from Dallas SWAT and he used yeah. to be on that uh, TV show. Uh, Dallas SWAT is pretty cool that, that yeah. we've, uh, we uh, have him employed at the Rowlett Police Department. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of a celebrity. Right? He is, we, yeah. yeah we, <laughs> we really appreciate Randy, and, and he, he does a, a great job for us in, in keeping us safe at all the different city mm-hmm. uh, meetings and, and different special events. Yep. So uh, how many employees overall do you have in the police department? So we have 105 authorized sworn positions. We have two part-time that I mentioned. One is vacant. And we have 37 non-sworn positions. And then we have a number of um, uh, uh, part-time positions that are um, uh, in other parts of the department related to um, our Crosswalks. Cross, crossing yeah, guards. Thank crossing you. Guards. Crossing guards and, and whatnot. So uh, of the non-sworn positions are would include like dispatch, our right. records department, our crime analyst, our property and evidence technicians. So, and you only have two vacancies? That's right. I mean, I think that's pretty unprecedented yeah. for a law enforcement agency in North Texas. Yeah. So uh, I think that speaks volumes to the fact that people want to work at the Rowlett Police Department. And that's important for those to know who are thinking about applying is that Rowlett Police is now popular. You know, it, yeah. people want to work for our department. Uh, and, and that's uh, a lot thanks to to your leadership and the things that are that are changing for the better in terms of the in terms of the organization and policies and procedures around that it's an exciting place to be right now i mean there's a lot of positive change and momentum going on and so yeah. I, i'd imagine that that you know it, it's exciting it's an exciting time for officers to be part of the Rowlett police department and uh, hopefully they stay for a long time yeah so. yeah you know uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback especially during my listening tour and uh, we have a great culture in the Rowlett Police Department, and we're going to continue to be a values-driven organization. Um, there's going to you're, you're going to be valued here. Um, our officers have expressed they they really feel valued. They feel wanted, especially our new recruits. I meet with all of them, and to a T, every single one of them said, "I chose Rowlett because I f- I felt like I was wanted, and I felt like I would be supported." Um, and where they could have gone other places and they chose, they chose to be here over many other options. And so that just speaks to the recruiting efforts, our culture. Um, and we're excited to, uh, continue to expand that. Um, I think there's a buzz about the Rowlett police department and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, it's exciting to hear because thinking about where we were 
and now where we are, it's just I, I couldn't be more happy with with the state of our current police department. It's just it's it's something to celebrate for sure. So uh, in closing, uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to appear on the show. And I wish you continued success as you make Rallet a safer place for everybody. And make sure to follow the Rallet PD on social media to stay connected. You can find those links in the show notes below. I think many people are going to be uh, interested to tune into this and, and hear about what you have to say. And so, uh, again, lots of exciting stuff happening uh, and lots of opportunities in the police department and for community safety. Thank you for having me, Mayor. Thank you. All right.